friends, welcome back to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. And we're continuing together in Season 2, working through the book of Genesis, which of course is part of this amazing project to work through the whole Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We're closing off Genesis chapter 26 today, looking at this situation between uh, the conflict and the resolution of it between Isaac and the local Philistine community and how it all works out. Now, you may remember earlier in the beginning when we started looking at the beginning of this chapter, how Isaac went to Gerar and when he arrived there, he lied about his relationship with his wife to the local Philistines. In fact, he told them his wife, Rebecca, was his sister. And when they discovered that she was actually his wife, they immediately turned her back over to him. So when in this text they're saying they've done nothing wrong but good for him, that's probably what they're referring to. They said, look at what we just did to make this situation potentially peaceful and for that peace to remain permanent in spite of what they did subsequently. But then if we pick up the text in verse 30, it tells us this. Isaac then made a feast for them and they ate and drank. Early the next morning, the men swore an oath to each other. Then Isaac sent them on the way, and they went away peacefully. So after all these events with them, shutting down wells and moving on again, it appears we've at last eventually reached a place of resolution and peace. So they throw a feast, and they eat, and they drink, and then in the next morning, they swear a new oath one to another, and then they depart peacefully. So let's just see how the chapter closes off, 32 and 33. It says, That day Isaac's servants came and told him about the well they had dug, and they said, We have found water. And they called it Sheba, and today the name of the town has been called Beersheba. So guess what? They finally find a source of water, and the Lord is still blessing them. And they call, they name the place Sheba, which is from the Hebrew word, which means to make an oath. So they're testifying to the fact that an oath of peace was made in that place. Now what's going on in this passage overall is just simply the renewal of the covenant that God had initially made with Abraham. But it also serves today as what we would call a model for what we today refer to as a non-aggression pact where two sides say, you know what, we're going to live in peace. We're not going to fight with each other anymore. All right, that's an interesting story, but I think we're now, at the close of the chapter, need to sum up what's being said here. When Isaac had faced opposition over and over again, he still continued to trust the Lord and graciously deal with his neighbours in spite of their unjust treatment of him, and consequently we see that the Lord blesses him materially with prosperity, flocks and herds and good crops but also spiritually with peace with his neighbours that's the end result of it anyway now I want to wrap this up by just pointing out a couple of final things for you I'll say it one more time I've said it before but I think it's important we need to keep doing it we need to look at any passage we need to look at this passage within the context of the book that it is written and if you look at this passage within the context of the whole book of Genesis, one of the things you have to say that this passage is teaching is is that the Lord remains faithful to any promise that he gives. 
This section of verses shows God's faithfulness coming to fruition and his blessing to Isaac delivered just as he promised, which for him, for Isaac, meant bountiful harvests, an increase in flocks and herds, and finally getting to a point where he can live in peace. We saw God make a covenant with Abraham way back, but now he extends it to his son Isaac, just as he promised to do to his father. But please note that that doesn't mean Isaac didn't have to respond in the correct way to embrace and receive that promise. Isaac responded by exercising faith, by living, outworking in the light of that covenant, and because of that, the Lord blessed him. Someone once said, Isaac tried not to waver throughout all these difficult circumstances in his trust of the Lord. He just quietly and resolutely went about his business, trying to obtain new water sources for his flocks and crops, and eventually God is seen to settle the issue and to bless him. All God's people, all of us, are called to maintain a quiet, confident trust in God's promise of provision, in spite of the circumstances around us, in spite of even hostility or the envy of unbelievers around us. And remember that sometimes, as we saw here, the very blessings of God that we might be receiving in our life might be the very thing that provoke hostility in other people. Now, some Bible experts have pointed out the similarities between Genesis 26 and 21 here, and they say it shows a deliberate attempt by trying to write two accounts that parallel each other, the situation and the circumstances of Isaac alongside those of Abraham, his father, previously. The account of Isaac's dealings with the Philistines is very much a case of, look, this guy's walking in the footsteps of his father, sometimes for good, but sometimes for not so good. And he receives similar promises as his father. He faces similar tests. And he fails in the same way as his father did. But eventually, he seemed to triumph in exactly the same fashion. Indeed, in certain aspects, we see more of the promise revealed to him and fulfilled through Isaac than through Jacob. We actually see a revelation in an suppose in a sense he actually achieves more or certainly achieves more insight. He'd been promised the land way back in 26 verse 4 via his father but at the end of this story Isaac is securely settled in Beersheba with a treaty with the Philistines in which they have in a sense acknowledged him as their superior as someone who has grown more powerful than them because of the blessings of God. So if opposition should come our way as believers, I believe we can take insight and take a lead from the example of Isaac as a way of showing us how to live in peace. This passage is clearly implying that simply by quietly, confidently trusting in the Lord, the result of that can be peace and prosperity for us. And that's fascinating. Now, we also need to be careful here because the story also illustrates that even though you can be pleasing the Lord, you can still have enemies. In fact, it can provoke some people against you. But when people, when we, and what is illustrated here is that when someone lives in a way that pleases the Lord consistently, which includes always pursuing peace, they may still have enemies, but the great Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, may very well inspire your enemies to be at peace with you.
Now, somebody pointed out to me that Proverbs 16, verse 7 says this. It tells us, when the Lord takes pleasures in anyone's way, he causes their enemies to make peace with them. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Now, remember, this is a proverb. It's not the law of God. In other words, this is a proverb which states a principle, but there can be exceptions. A law of the Lord doesn't have exceptions, but a proverb isn't the law, so there may be an exception. And the the exception to this situation of our enemies making peace with us, the caveat in that the exception is when, as Christians, we faced out-and-out persecution, particularly institutionalized persecution. You could be pursuing the Lord and serving him, and you could be persecuted. And in that case, your enemies will not be at peace with you. And that would be the exception of the proverb. But the norm it's telling us in our general everyday life, in our one-to-one relationships with other people, then by serving the Lord, by pursuing peace, then indeed God can turn people who were once our enemies into friends. Think about that. When you respond properly in your personal relations and interactions with other people by trusting the Lord and by treating other people graciously, by going above and beyond, sometimes even surrendering your rights in favour of a gracious attitude, as Isaac did here in regard to the situation with the whales, the Lord can turn those very people who were enemies into your friends. I've seen that happen so many times in my life and in the life of others. And the way in which a righteous, godly life disarms opposition. You see, it always takes two people to have a fight. But if you just lay aside your hostility, doesn't mean that you become someone who gets walked over, but you lay down your hostile attitude to, to someone else and you just simply serve the Lord and treat that person with respect and be gracious, the result will usually be peace. Take that home with you today. As Romans 12 verse 8 reminds us, always live in this way. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Because if you do that, if you pursue peace, pursue the Lord, treat people graciously, then the Lord himself just might make someone who was once your enemy your friend. And isn't that good news? Okay, there we go. That's it for today. Now, if you've just joined us for the first time today, why not consider going right back to the start and subscribing and following us along on this amazing journey through the whole Bible. I'd also do a quick reminder that there is always a transcript of each and every one of these podcasts available in the the episode notes section of any audio version of this podcast, which is hosted on Buzzsprout. And there's also a place there that if you wish, you can become a patron of my ministry where you can support it, but also there's the opportunity there to receive bonus material and special teachings that's not available in the general podcast. But other than that, that's it for today. Thank you for joining me. We'll start off in a new section completely tomorrow. And I hope you'll join me back here very soon on the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.